0: You're listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talk Daredevil. And this time, it's going to be really special. We are doing a review of uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm Christine, and joining me to talk about this today are... Hi, I'm Christina. Happy New Year. Hey, I'm Rhiannon. Happy New Year. Oh, yes. Happy New Year. Uh, We are actually recording this on uh, January 1st, 2022. So getting off to a good start uh, with the podcast and the campaign and the year in general. And of course, we had so much excitement at the end of last year that can't wait to see what's ahead. But you guys, first of all, this movie, when did you all see it?
2: Um, Yeah, so I saw it like the 16th, 6.30 p.m., IMAX showing. To get that, I had it it ended up being really lousy seats. You know, like I was third row over off to the side. So it wasn't like the best angle for an IMAX showing. Um, So I went and saw it again. I risked the Omicron variant and went to see it again a couple days ago in good seats. But I wanted to go back while the theater was still full. So both times I got the joy of like a full theater and people being surprised and having the reactions. Like I could have easily waited and seen it like 11 o'clock this morning and it had been much safer. So I'm just crossing my fingers that my mask held up and the second viewing was worth it because I just wanted to hear that crowd reaction. I think I'm
0: the last person in the uh, the campaign to have seen it. I saw it on Tuesday, the 20th. 21st, I believe. It was just I really wanted to see it with some friends of mine. And that was the earliest they could do it. And that was fine. The audience was still quite enthusiastic, which was really great. And I made no attempt to avoid spoilers. I It was fine. I'm one of those people who I can enjoy something a lot more if I know what the big points are going to be. This way I'm not like stressed out during the whole film wondering what's going to happen. This does not give you any excuse to DM me with spoilers for anything, by the way. But um I did not mind that. And I was impressed that even, you know, like Ree said, even now, there's a lot of reaction in the theater. So I was happy that I wasn't there so late that I missed that because that was exciting.
1: Right. And speaking of spoilers, we should also mention before we go on that this is going to be a full spoiler review. Uh, We are going to talk about this movie. We have all seen it. We are going to assume that you've seen it as well. Anyway, I went to see it, I think, on the Thursday after it opened, which must have been the 16th. And I think we had a bunch of people from the team going that day. We had, um, one of our team members in the UK had gone uh, the day before, which is very exciting. I think I was the second one to go in. And that was only based on like the time difference, but since I'm in Europe, so was like a few hours ahead. And I think by the time I left, we had like three others who were in movie theaters across the the US, I think, uh, among uh, those people. So it's been fun just kind of experiencing this uh, with everyone, all, all of us and everybody outside of the team and on Twitter and everywhere. It's just been amazing. I actually remained relatively spoiler free, except for the fact that. I I'd heard that Charlie was making an appearance. So I, I did know that uh, going in. But as, aside from that, I had actually managed, I mean, a lot of, you know, high level, very probable rumors out there, but none of the details, which I'm I'm happy about. But um, actually, let's um, maybe dig into that Charlie scene before we talk about anything else. Even though it's only like a minute out of a very long movie, it's um, maybe needs uh, <laughs> its own spotlight
2: uh, so I was just, I think all of us were relieved that, that Charlie scene came very early in the movie. And I swear, like, Christine, you talk about going in completely unspoiled. I went in completely spoiled. Like, people on the internet, like Christina said, don't hit me up and give me spoilers. But people at this point assumed I was completely spoiled on the movie. So, and, and that I wanted to know everything. Um, so, so I knew that Charlie was in the movie. I knew he was in the first 40 minutes of the movie. But I, w- I was kind of excited that he came in the first five minutes so that it wasn't the whole movie. Like, oh, oh, is this the moment? So it was really nice. And I feel like it was just a really natural way to bring him in.
1: I couldn't agree more about the the whole bringing him in early because I was really, really tense going in. Just kind of like that, that excitement, like you're looking forward to something. But you also kind of want to just be done with it because it was just like... So much excitement for like all of us and so many of the fans. And you don't know like, okay, well, how is this scene going to play out? Is it going to be like a good scene? Is it going to be like terrible? What's going to be? So it was nice to have that out of the way. And then you could sort of focus on the movie itself. But wasn't it the first five minutes, event? I mean, I remember it was early, but.
2: Yeah, I didn't exactly have a stopwatch, but it was pretty close to the beginning.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember being surprised by it, too. No, I was just thinking maybe you actually had the excitement. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I'm
0: sure somebody on the team has. I had a friend message me um, because I told all my friends, I'm like, when you see this, I need you to message me and tell me what the reaction is, you know, uh, from the audience. It's, I, I really wanted to know. One of my friends had um, messaged me and said it was about 40 minutes, um, which seems a little late thinking about it. But that movie was long.
2: The the significance of the 40 minutes is that they did a press screening early where the press only saw the first 40 minutes. And that was when somebody, you know, news trickled out of that and somebody reached out to me and was like, oh, it's in the first 40 minutes. So my reaction,
0: uh, I I went in, I was wearing my team Save Daredevil shirt. I think everyone in the team, I think, wore some kind of a, a Save Daredevil shirt, which was awesome. I was really happy that I didn't hear cheers from mine. I heard a lot of gasps and a lot of whispered, is that, is that, are they, is that? Like a lot of that, which was really exciting. I um, immediately, like subconsciously, both of my hands clamped down on the shoulders of the two people who were next to me. Luckily they are people I live with, so it was cool. And I was just, I was floored by that scene I was so floored, in fact, that I had to see that scene a second time, which I have. And I said, oh, wait, he was on the phone. I missed that. I was so, like, floored that there he is, there he is, that I missed the fact that he was talking on the phone in that scene. I love the fact that, first of all, it was not multiverse sh- shenanigans. That's not how they brought him in. They brought him in as our Matt. He felt like our Matt. He looked like our Matt. And I love how the writers wanted to make it extremely clear who he was, because I think they had Peter call him Mr. Murdoch, and then they had Aunt May call him Matt. So it's like, seriously, we are hitting you on the head with this brick that he just caught that this is Matt Murdoch, the blind guy who can sense things. So I really appreciated that. And yeah, I was kind of, I was floating, even though I knew it was going to happen. I had gone in spoiled. I knew that scene was going to happen. It's still, I was absolutely floating. It was wonderful.
1: Yeah. It's funny how, I think a lot of us talked about too, how we sort of experienced that scene because it didn't seem quite real. I remember my mind was just all over the place. It was sort of like, oh, there he is. And then it was like, my eyes were just kind of all over the screen and it's like, oh, his his hair is short, you know, like his glasses look different. Oh, wait a second. What is he saying? You need to concentrate. Come on, focus. And then I'm listening. And then in the middle of all of that, I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's real. It's real. Like I wanted to pinch myself. And it was just like my thoughts were all over the place. And I know a lot of other people have been describing the same thing. So I've actually, I've only seen the movie once and I would like to go see it again because I, I really thought it like overall it was a wonderful movie. But, uh, but speaking of audience reactions, because I mentioned this to um, uh, the rest of the team too, going in that like at Swedish movie theaters, I mean, yeah, you might hear a, a whoop here and there from like, you know, if it's an action movie, the a big theater, lots of people. It's not like people are treating it, you know, like church or something at all. But it's not, it's not American. But it was still... I did hear a lot of audible reactions for Charlie and some, you know, collapse here and there. And, of course, even more audible reactions later when the other spider man appear and so on. But it was, it was nice to still hear lots of cheering for Daredevil because also, I mean, even with the, the next Netflix show, it's not like Daredevil is as known as a character in Sweden, I think, as he is in the U.S. So it's still, you know, gratifying to know that there are a lot of people out there who have watched the show... Uh, are happy to see him back. And um, I mean, we have some that are following the campaign too, of course. But it was just, I was, you know, that was heartwarming and and a, a nice moment.
2: Yeah. And I think when I saw it, I was more, I think even the second time, well, I I just really appreciate pirating is bad. Nobody should pirate movies. But somebody did like pull out just the clip of Matt so I could watch it like in the comfort of my home. Because still, even the second time I saw it, I was so focused on everybody's reaction. Like the Wall Street dude bro sitting next to me the second time I saw it was just like, like totally distracting in his reaction as it was just sort of like, is that? Wait, did they? You know, like, I was so obsessed with, like, his reaction and, like, sort of turning and looking at him that I pretty much missed the Matt scene both times because I was just so focused on how the audience was reacting.
1: Yeah. It's, it's kind of a meta experience. Like, there's so many layers to it that just, like, you have to focus on one layer at a time. <laughs>
2: right. right. I, I guess, like, not everybody knows where we all are, but, like, I'm in New York City. So the second time I saw it, it was in New York City. Everybody in New York City has a deeper connection to Daredevil. You know, we've seen that even just in our fan gatherings, you know, in New York City, you get a bunch of people that like worked on the show or, you know, saw it filming or just relate to it. So the first time I saw it was in North Carolina, actually, I was home for Christmas And you know, I think it just sort of like I was amazed in that theater that there were so many people reacting to Daredevil. So kind, I mean, it's not Sweden, like definitely people talking through the whole dang movie in North Carolina, but it was it was still just like very cool to hear the reaction. You know, like yeah, this isn't just our. I mean, like we've been so tight in this little campaign. You know, and I even feel like even though we've trended worldwide and all of this, I think any time we go out and there's validation from like the masses. It almost was the same feeling that I get at cons and everything, you know, it's just sort of like, oh, wait, this isn't a thing that we're doing for this tiny, small group. This is a character that many people know and many people enjoy.
1: Um, Maybe before we go on, because like, there's a lot of movie that Matt isn't in or Charlie that we also all enjoyed, Um, but... um just, I think, just some comments like on the the scene itself. Like you were saying, Christina, it's definitely our mad. It's before all the multiverse stuff happens. Peter and and Doctor Strange have not collectively broken the multiverse yet at this point. And it it seems very um, obvious that like they're not making any attempts to make him seem very different. I mean, yes, he's got a slightly different haircut, he's got different glasses, but again, that's like normal, you know, variety. So there's nothing, you know, strange or, or unexpected about that. He's very much our Matt and he gets to be a good lawyer and he gets to have that like brick moment with like, I'm a really good lawyer, which I loved. I thought that was, uh, I-, I appreciated that reaction more. Um, I mean, to the question that Peter asked, which just how did you do that? And he's like, I'm just, I'm a really good lawyer. Instead of being like, site is overrated or one of those. I just thought this was like perfect.
0: When I walked out of that theater, I said, I need a T-shirt that says, I'm a really good lawyer. And lo and behold, you can get one. Uh, so <laughs> it is a thing. I, I also loved his little head tilt, which, he, uh, which he, he did throughout the show. And I think I heard him in an in interview say he got the idea from watching his dog that Charlie Cox would watch his dog kind of tilt his head when he heard something. And so just that little bit was like, oh, yeah, that Matt does that. Our Matt does that. So that was really cool. It was just fun seeing him interact very naturally with these other actors and these other characters. And I honestly didn't mind that it was only, what, 90 seconds. I felt like nope, oh, that was great. Good job. I, I love it. It felt natural. It felt extremely natural, like this is a scene that should happen and now it's over. And now we're going to go on with the story. Um, it did not feel shoehorned in. It did not feel like now we're going to drop the big surprise. It felt like part of the story. So I, I very much appreciated that.
2: I like it was a part of a story and it didn't feel like it didn't feel gratuitous. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like, oh, there's just a face over there. It, very well done. But it wasn't my favorite part of the movie.
1: Same here. I thought. I did have like high expectations for the movie as a whole uh, going in. And a part of it was just like, it just seemed so, such a, such a daring move to bring in all of these different characters from the different movies. And I was thinking like, they wouldn't be doing this unless they were pretty sure that they were going to be able to pull it off. And it ended up being like, I, I think my main reaction afterwards was that like, it was such A celebration of the superhero genre as a whole. Like I was reminded of why, ever since I was a kid, why I've liked superhero movies and superhero, or like the the concept. And what this movie was able to do with bringing in sort of the older Peters is that you get a a kind of maturation of the character that you don't necessarily get in the comics because you have that sliding timeline and everything needs to stay perpetually fresh and whatever. Here you got the sense of. What these kinds of characters, even though it's such a fantastical movie, and I mean, (laughs) how it unfolds, there were so many like really, really human moments in it. And like so much just like, man, it takes a toll on you being this kind of person having this kind of, you know, great responsibility. And I felt like they it was just so perfect. But this was all like very kind of sweeping thoughts. (laughs)
0: I uh, had been hearing all this hyperbole, best Spider-Man film ever made, brilliant. So I thought, okay, don't overhype this for me. This is gonna be ridiculous. And in my mind, I thought, I'm sure this is a fabulous masterpiece for a Spider-Man fan. I have a very casual relationship with Spider-Man. I am not a Spider-Man fan. I I have enjoyed what I've seen, but I have not devoured every moment of Spider-Man content. Um, so I thought, yeah, I'm sure for that fandom, this is going to be amazing and I'm sure I'll enjoy it. I'm buying the ticket from Matt Murdock. After I walked out of that film, I turned to my husband and said, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I would have adored that film. Even if Matt wasn't in it, I was floored by how much I liked it. There were scenes where I was laughing so hard that I was legitimately afraid I was going to miss dialogue, um, because it was just that genuinely funny. And there were scenes that were Deeply moving that I, I didn't think that it was really capable to go there in this kind of a film, just deeply moving discussions about loss and about rage and about choices. And I just loved it. I, uh, I can also say, like I said, casual Spider-Man fan. I saw the first two Toby films. I saw Spider-Verse. I, that's all I've seen. And of course, the Tom Holland stuff. I've seen that. Um, after seeing this, I want to go back and I want to see the Andrew Garfield, uh, Spider-Man films because I thought he was completely charming and I want to see more of that portrayal. And I, I know there are probably people out there get very defensive of their own personal favorite Spider-Man. Um, and I, I want to check it out. I want to see it because I really think I'm going to like
2: it just because I was introduced to it from this film. I'm the same. I actually have never seen the other Spider-Man films at all, which was sort of like my little dirty secret going into all of this, but I but I was really curious what it would be from that standpoint. I didn't feel lost. I feel like they did a great job like OK, these are other villains with other Spider-Men. And yeah, you because know, some people afterwards, I saw some complaints that like, oh, there were too many just callbacks from previous ones. There was too much complaints like that. And I'm like, no, I've never seen those movies. And I found this incredibly enjoyable. I understood what catching MJ meant for Garfield Spiderman. Spider-Man. I knew, you know, I feel like the emotional punch was still there. And I feel like, I mean, I'm finding when I come out of Marvel movies now that I am just sort of hit with, wow, Marvel Studios is so good at movies. Like, they are just so good at movies. Like, where I still don't trust them with television, they can put together an amazing movie that does. It hits all those light points. It makes you feel things straight to the gut. It puts your heroes through amazing uh, trials and wraps it all up in the end. I wish I could just go back and watch like the last act, um, the last third of it, you know, without having to buy a whole ticket and see the whole thing. It's an incredibly long movie and it went a lot of places, but it all felt worthwhile. Like there isn't any part of that journey that felt like, oh, this is some filler they threw in that could have easily been edited out or something. And though I'm sure some people feel that way, but I enjoyed those little light moments, you know, like the little chit chats between the Spideys felt very worthwhile. Um, so overall, I'm incredibly happy with this movie. And I love where they leave Tom Holland's Spider-Man. He feels like he's in a world where he could be jumping around on rooftops with our Daredevil. There's some chatter out there, like maybe he'll be going up, you know, maybe he and Matt will get together and go against Fisk or something like that. They did leave it in a place where it feels like stuff like that could be possible. Overall, I just enjoyed the whole thing.
1: I've seen all of the other Spider-Man movies. It's interesting with the um, the Andrew Garfield, the Amazing Spider-Man, um, two movies that came out, was that, um, I, I mean, I'm sure they had been aiming for more, but it ended after two. And honestly, the second movie, I remember in movie theaters being kind of bored by the li- last half of that movie. Uh, which was not on Andrew Garfield at all. I, I actually, I really enjoyed his first movie and I enjoyed him as Spider-Man in and the second one as well. But I think they just, the magic wasn't really there. So I can kind of see why it ended after just two movies. Um, but it was, uh, you know, enjoyable having seen that. And It's also good to hear that from you guys. If you haven't seen all of them, it's still worthwhile and it's still, it doesn't, you know, you don't miss anything really um it's not like you don't have it it's not like you have to go back and and watch like everyone gets the concept pretty early on and also there i mean with spider-man in general you know who his um villains are and you know that you know the, the whole gwen stacy thing and it's like they permeated the popular culture enough that that you have enough information uh, going in but speaking of like where they end up with um peter at the end i'm i'm interested to hear your thoughts on how that memory wipe came out at the end i was thinking in my
0: head about the comics run in which something similar happened with matt murdoch's identity with daredevil i couldn't help but go there i thought that last scene with him visiting his friends was so heartbreaking and so beautiful The way that he's going to talk to them and then he sees the bandage on her head and is suddenly reminded of how much danger she was in because of him and his decision basically to just walk away. I'm sure that this is going to have massive repercussions. I'm sure that, uh, you know, this is definitely leading into Doctor Strange 2. And we saw the the second post credit scene, which is basically a little trailer. Little teaser for a multiverse of madness. I'm sure it's going to lead into that. That's going to be interesting to watch. I think. I also think, just in general, the filmmakers made such smart choices in this film. Uh, from the fact that the entrance of the previous two Spider Men, I had kind of imagined it being very heroic, them coming in with their suits, to die. and it wasn't. It was quiet. They were both like, hey, uh, hi, so what's going on? They weren't clueless. They knew something was going on, but it was very quiet, their entrances, what well, I thought it was so interesting. And I I there were so many lines between them. Remember, I said I wanted that t-shirt that said I'm a really great lawyer. I also want a t-shirt that says the Avengers, that's great. What is that? Because that was one of my favorite lines as well. Um, and I think the second best choice, because the best choice was to have Matt Murdock in it. Let's just agree on that. I think the second best choice they made was to destroy Green Goblin's helmet because Willem Dafoe is such an amazing actor and we needed to see his face and we did see his face and he was glorious in this. Uh, I'd like, I think he was better in this than in the 2002 Spider-Man. And I don't think it was because of anything other than he lost that mask. And I really, uh, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a brilliant choice.
2: As far as like Andrew Garfield going into this movie, I've been rewatching Tick, Tick, Boom, like over and over. I've just like become obsessed with that on Netflix. And so like just seeing him there, I'm like, oh yeah, it's my buddy. (laughs) So, so like his performance I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I feel like I have to go back and catch up on Andrew Garfield, just like his whole existence. And I feel like as a Save Daredevil podcast, we'd be remiss not to mention that he is good friends with Charlie. And Charlie went to like the Tick, Tick, Boom premiere with him and all of that. So um, I'm just kind of like, not only do I like Charlie, I like Charlie's friend. She yeah, had the little awkwardness, the slightly, you know, them teasing about looking like a youth pastor. Just all of that just sort of made it a pleasant movie. And then the mind wipe, I, I just feel like it grounded it all. I mean, like I, 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 the whole Spider-Man series has felt like the very first Spider-Man movie. I was very annoyed that they had a fight on the side of a jet, you know, that you have this kid that's got sticky fingers and now he's hanging off the side of a jet, like fighting somebody. It just bothered me. I didn't like it. And I feel like this movie brought it all back down to a real level. Yeah, without ignoring. I mean, like, he did fight an alien in space, as he told the other Spider-Men. So I I, I feel like it brought it to a good place. I, I think the mind wipe is a great way to do it. Let's let's see if all of that sticks, you know, with whatever is coming next to the Marvel Universe. I like that it's not, you know, I still feel that it's, you know, it, it wasn't too multiverse I I didn't have to sit there and wonder, is this like the version we saw in What If? Is this the version we saw in Loki? Is this, you know, I, I, I'm so glad they didn't make me think about those things.
1: I'm generally someone who... Doesn't really like mind wipes or or big sort of massive time travel, uh, reality altering stuff either. But of course, this is this is a whole movie with like all of that in it. But but I mean, mind wipes especially, and and I think coming from uh, as a fandom Daredevil and uh, <clears throat> how it's been used in the comics, especially in recent years, is really it's why I don't really read Daredevil as regularly as I used to anymore because it's like. It can go very, very wrong, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And in this case, I actually felt like, no, it works. It works in this movie, and it works to get him to where he needs to be. And also looking at what happens in this movie with, like, what you were saying, like, there are so many of these, like, fundamental Spider-Man character moments and so much of his backstory that had honestly been missing up until this point. But it's almost like the first two movies and even his first appearance before that is kind of like they're kind of like Spider-Man prequel movies to whatever this movie was it's sort of like this sets him up to have all those sort of reach that kind of the insight and and precocious maturity that he sort of needs to reach to be to be a better Spider-Man <laughs> in a sense and to be so this was I mean I guess a coming of age story for him in a lot of ways and he you know it's Made such a huge sacrifice at the end. And it really, uh, he grew. I mean, the character grew as a result of that. And I think it, we finally have sort of a, a good a place for him to start, you know, in his future adventure. So for me, it was rare that I watched that happen and wasn't like, oh, uh, but it was sort of like, yeah, it kind of works. It kind of, and then it not only does it kind of work, it's, it's almost like when when it ends, it's like, yes, that's the way it had to be. It felt like um, a really good, good ending. But it is, it, it's, a, it's a kind of thing that tends to be controversial for good reasons. So speaking of um, things that they did in this movie that are Spider-Man checkboxes, um, there was never an Uncle Ben, but there was an Aunt May and there was a moment re- related to that. What, what were your thoughts?
2: So I was slightly spoiled on that, just slightly, like I knew it was happening To me, it felt like a box being checked. I mean, it was sad. Like, they did play the emotional side of it and all of that. But to me, I was just like, oh, yeah, it's the third movie. The Aunt May has to die at this point. Like, and this does, like, trigger all of, you know, the stuff later in the movie. So maybe I'm a little cold-hearted, but I was just like, okay, that happened. But meanwhile, the person that was sitting next to me during the second watch bawled through the whole third act. So, like, I I was seriously wanting to just, like, stop and comfort this woman. Like, I I felt so bad.
0: Yeah, I I could have gone either way. I was also spoiled to it. And I was like, OK, that's a thing that happened. Um, I feel like it had to happen, though, in order to get us that final scene, because I think the whole point of that title scene is he's completely and utterly alone. There's There's no one. It's him and that's it. And so in a way, they had to do that, because even if they mind wiped Aunt May, she'd still be his aunt. She'd still be there for him. So um that didn't bug me as much as how does Happy Hogan know May if he no longer knows that Peter Parker's Spider-Man and that had me scratching my head the gravestone scene I'm like no that that makes no sense now and that's another reason why I'm with Christine. I, in general, do not like timey me. I do not like, what was it you said? Real- reality altering events. I don't like them because at some point things are gonna happen. You have to just throw up your hands and go, okay, whatever. And um, that, that was an okay, whatever scene for me. Like that made no sense. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, if there was a better way to get Peter to that point where he's all alone though, besides killing Aunt May. And um, from an acting standpoint, I really liked her performance in it. I liked, you know, her getting up and thinking she was okay, and be like, "No, it's fine, it's fine," and then collapsing. I, I like that. I thought that was really interesting. But yeah, I'm I'm officially meh on that.
1: I've uh, I've actually, I mean, I've enjoyed Marisa Tomei in general in these movies, and. Also, the fact that she's not like 100 years old. <laughs> yeah, the Spider, the other Spider-Man movies have also, you know, been, been better in that regard. Especially the, uh, I think it was Sally Field in The uh, the Amazing Spider-Man 1, who's also, you know, not ancient. Doesn't look like, like, it looks like it's his, his great-great-aunt or something in the comics, which has always been. And I know a lot of people have, been, you know, been joking about that. Um, it's always like, how is she just his aunt? You know, like he's supposed to be a teenager and this person looks like someone in a retirement home. So it felt always felt more realistic for me to just have someone who was who was not, you know, and especially this day and age, like you're not ancient when you're fifty or sixty or even seventy, you know, it's like it's not like that. So um and I, I think she's a good actress and and she's fun. But that that scene, one thing that actually kind of makes the memory wipe better, though, is that she did die. Because otherwise, I'm like, oh no, were they going to leave her around to like not remember she had a nephew? I mean, that would have been that would have been sort of terrible. I don't know. I don't think they could have done both of those because it just that would have been a, too big of an ask.
2: I guess the memory wipe was specifically that everybody forgets Peter Parker. So, you know, like Spider-Man still had those appearances at her nonprofit that Happy was there for. And there there were things like that, that Happy and May. And I guess they don't have to explain. I mean, like May, yeah, May forgetting Peter Parker would have been really, really rough. But they can remember Spider-Man. So I guess this world still has a Spider-Man. They just don't have a Peter Parker
1: the way I imagine these mind wipes happening, I mean, we shouldn't maybe pay too much attention to the mind wipe, but but it's something I force myself to think about uh, when they happen. It's like, the, like you said, the scene with Happy and how he's talking to Peter and asking, how did you know her? And it's like, oh, through Spider-Man. From Happy's point of view, though, I mean, they first contacted him as Spider-Man. So the way I imagined kind of Happy's memory working, and I think for a lot of other people, is just sort of like, oh, yeah, Spider-Man, and then have this sort of just weird fog around, like, just, I mean, there are so many things in a day and with people and everything that it's just like, oh, oh yeah, did that happen? Uh, who was that? Where it's just sort of like you remember sort of the concept or like the idea of things that have happened, but just sort of kind of blot out the details. In, in his case, it could even be like some kind of advanced, like, uh, so called propo um I think it's called like when you have like face blindness where it's like you're looking at someone and it's like it doesn't trigger a, a memory or or um recognition of any kind. So in your mind it's just like he remembers like a conceptual Peter Parker but not like someone um with a face. I don't know. But that's for all like the coming movies and stuff um to clear up for us. Hopefully <laughs> So um, how about we we talk about a little bit about the the future um, and what we think will will come from this movie, both by me, I guess, on the MCU side and and for uh, Charlize Matt.
0: Well, I think it's interesting that they did that little nod to Miles Morales. And I think a lot of fans are now expecting to see Miles Morales. And I think that would be very exciting. Um, I know this has really increased uh, knowledge of the other Spider-Man movies. And I know that... Remember how you said there are only two Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Now there's a call on social media. Like, can we please get the third? And of course there's been a huge sp- Do the social media campaigns ever really work though. I mean, come on social media campaigns <laughs> never work. We should know that hashtags are stupid. Um, And speaking of which, there is, petitions are stupid. There is a, uh, there's a massive increase of people who are now watching Daredevil for the first time, to which I say, welcome to the fandom. We are delighted to have you aboard. It's really exciting. Like the both of you said, I think this really does set up a wonderful possibility for Spider-Man and Daredevil to team up, Um, especially because we have Wilson Fisk back as well, who was originally a Spider-Man villain. Um, so that could, that could be really fun. And I think it could work with the tone that that they, they ended it with. I think someone on Twitter said this, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it, that that last leap that Peter makes, uh, looked like uh, the PS game. Like it it definitely had that kind of feel to it. I'm like, yeah, it kind of does. That's kind of cool. But it does seem like it's going in a mature, more mature place um, I'm sure they're not going to get rid of the humor entirely, nor should they. I think that's always been integral to this to this character and to the MCU. I don't think I ever want to see a completely humorless MCU property. Um, all of them, even the, the darkest stuff they've had, has had some kind of humor, some kind of lightness. Um, otherwise, you don't feel the dark notes. If everything's dark, then it's dark and it gets numbing. I'm curious to see what happens next. And I can't help but wonder, does Marvel know or not? And in this case, does Sony know or not? I'm
2: very curious. There also was the Venom, you know, that that first post credit scene where there's the little piece of Venom left to go after or to do whatever it's going to do. I think that's the only other piece that it sounds like, um, yeah, that you guys didn't hit on that might be coming in the future. But that would be a purely Spider-Man. And I just, I don't even want to think about where the multiverse stuff could go. Like, I'll watch it, and, and they're, they're proving that, you know, it, this movie spoon-fed it to me without it being obnoxious. But I don't want to think about where it's going.
1: Yeah, I, I hope they can, um, they can tie it together in a satisfactory way. I've been kind of on the record about being sort of annoyed by, by Endgame it was just kind of a disappointment that you would have, you know, the director and the screenwriter not even being in perfect agreement about how the time time travel stuff worked at the end and how does it, how that doesn't like create some kind of super weird fork of new reality and stuff. And I, for me, it's a kind of thing where like, yeah, no, time travel uh, is to our knowledge, not possible. Who knows how many different realities that would create. I mean, that's mind blowing stuff in itself, but I feel like, when you're getting such a rich web of all of these movies, all of these different, and especially with the movies spawning basically their own realities, you're bringing in new realities, you're connecting to like older movies and you're like now we have Doctor Strange and, and the Multiverse of Madness. And I just hope like, that they have enough people in control of like all the moving parts to at least be in agreement about what's happening and why. And so that there's like a consistency and a logic to it. And I mean, you know, this is like, (laughs) this is not, you know, the moment to like hammer uh, on the, uh, the sign stuff. But even when you remove, even like characters are are magical, you need to have an uh, inherently consistent logic to how you build these kinds of worlds or people are just going to be like, huh, that doesn't really work. I mean, so I think it's important for them to have enough of a plan that at least all of their loose parts kind of fit together at the end. And who knows? I, I do think some of the multiverse stuff, I mean, like in this movie, it it became, it was interesting, and they did something really interesting with it. But I think you need to be careful about what, what kind of just... Um, Be careful not to introduce, like, just complications needlessly that you don't have answers to.
0: Yeah, my personal hope for uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is that they end it. That's my personal hope, because one of the strengths of the MCU is that it really does feel like our world with these superheroes dropped in it. And there's only so much you can do before it's not our world anymore that it just feels too ridiculous. And we already have the kind of stereotypical jaded New Yorker being able to shrug their shoulders about an alien invasion. I think that's about as far as we go. I I don't think we can have it the normal person walking down the street being jaded and shrugging their shoulders about time travel, about the multiverse. I think that's where it just gets a little bit too much, like now this doesn't feel like our world anymore then we kind of lose that richness, if that makes sense. So I, I really, I don't mind them having another multiverse film if it wraps it up and it says that's it. And this is not going to happen again because magic. I don't know. I, I just, I, I would like to see it wrapped up.
2: Or I would like it to be, I mean, which, which may be sort of the direction with like Secret Invasion and everything, like Make it this thing that the big dogs are working on and the everyday people don't know Mm -hmm. about. You know, if they're off planet doing something to fix these threads in the multiverse, and I can still imagine that New York City is going about its day to day as normally as New York City does now. I mean, I think like the big thing that Marvel has going right now is that the world has been turned on its side. And, yeah, you know, we can almost relate to these people even more because we've gone through something completely different, but also world changing. It's fortunately
1: not as bad as having the snap and the blip where, like, people disappeared for five years and they came back. Because even that has been something I've been like, oh, that is it, – it is a lot to handle. And, of course, we're always talking like, okay, how is – we kind of had confirmation that, you know, Matt is definitely in the MCU uh, and going forward. And then, of course, you're going to start thinking, OK, what did he do during, you know, during the five years? Was he there? Was he not? Who knows? Um, so even that is just like complicated enough as it is. You don't need to add to it.
2: And I mean, personally, I think Matt blipped. That's my headcanon. My headcanon is that...
0: Uh... The three of them made it, Foggy Karen and Matt made it, and they were up to their eyeballs, busy in legal cases, dealing with first the sudden disappearance of these people and then the sudden return. You know, I just have this this scene in my mind where Karen's walking in going, "Okay, our nine o'clock is this guy who's got remarried two years ago and now he's got two wives. Our 10 o'clock is this guy who uh, sold a business because his business partner was gone and now the business partner's back and wants the business back. I, I kind of like the idea of the legal ramifications. And so far, I've been very happy with the little bits that we've seen in uh, WandaVision and in Hawkeye, the little bits showing what that was like and showing uh, the, the, the ramifications for, for a hospital. Everyone's back and you're in a hospital, what does that do? And again, it felt real and it felt like real people dealing with an extraordinary problem. I just don't know if it's possible to show real people dealing with the extraordinary problem of a multiverse. So, yeah, I agree with uh, with the idea that it could be interesting if this is something that only, you know, the top dogs know about and the average person on the street just doesn't know. That could work.
1: Time will tell <laughs> where the the future takes us. But uh, I guess, uh, please, Marvel, just make sure you have all your ducks in a row and that you have someone minding the ducks and herding the cats and doing all of the... Um, All of that stuff so that it's um, you can keep it nice and and clean and consistent and uh, provide a nice sort of playground for our favorite characters to play on uh, going forward. Uh, We're coming up on time. Do we have any sort of closing thoughts? Uh, Marvel, thank you for bringing
0: back Matt. God bless you. That's fantastic. Uh, We're greedy and we want more.
2: Same. Yeah. Um, You know, they did really well with this. And I just hope they can start bringing this type of quality to their TV shows. Is that the most backhanded compliment ever? <laughs> it was in the back
0: of my mind. Like, uh, you know, Marvel Studios, you really, really know how to make films. That's all I'll say.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that um, uh, all in all, this was an amazing movie and it was. I mean, it's very definitely one of my top MCU movies ever and, and very, very near the top, possibly uh, the best, um, all around. I thought it was, um, I thought it was amazing. And it was such a great treat to see, um, Charlie back as Matt and to have him be our Matt Murdock, very sort of distinctly. We felt him in our hearts and, um, looking forward to see what's going to, I mean, we're here on the first day of the year and it's, um uh, exciting times ahead, hopefully. And, um, Um, for all of you guys out there let us know we'd love to hear from you as always and um, just as a our constant reminder uh, we are Renew Daredevil on Twitter we are Save Daredevil pretty much everywhere else so do follow us on social media if you do not already and we'll keep you up to date about all the exciting things that are hopefully ahead for us um, this year and uh, thank you so much for uh, listening and um, yeah bye Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. For more information on Save Daredevil, please visit our website at savedaredevil.com. Remember, Murdoch's always get back up.